1: All right, my name is Rich Schmidt. I'm here with Jess Sandrock. We're in the Nicholson Library at Linfield University. It is February 22nd, 2022. Jess, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, The first question to get things started is why wine?
0: Why wine? Well, I feel like I I sort of fell into wine. Um, I had a general interest in horticulture and plants and it was that interest that took me to um, OSU where I started studying horticulture and um, in the horticulture department at that time, you know, students could get interested in all sorts of things. I found, found interest in food crops and then um, started narrowing it down more to berry crops and then that turned into getting interested in to grapes. And so I kind of found this path at OSU, um, was able to um, take some classes at OSU, but I did a, a year study abroad in Australia that, that allowed me to um, go to a university that had a wine program at the time and um, and really start to learn more specifically about growing grapes and um, making wine and tasting wine um, and so that was really what hooked me into um, going down the path of getting into wine finishing my undergraduate degree with a focus in viticulture um, and then going on to graduate school to to study wine so um, it was the my uh, The year that I was able to study abroad in Australia I knew I was starting to get interested in wine. The program was very focused, um, so that's all I did that year, and it was an amazing experience. Um, Charles Stewart University in Wagga, in New South Wales, they had um, they have a university vineyard, they have a university winery, and so I was able to work in the vineyard and able to you know students were making wine at the university, and then take all of my classes were very wine specific. And at the time, um, uh, Glenn Creasy was a lecturer there. And it w- I always joke that I had to go to Australia to be told to, uh, <laughs> to come back and learn about Oregon wine, because he had spent some time at OSU. And he said, OK, if you're interested in wine, when you get back, you absolutely you need to work with Carmel Vasconcelo. She was the, um, the viticulture researcher at OSU at the time. And, and I hadn't met her yet as an undergrad. So uh, when I came back from Australia, that was the first thing I did. I introduced myself to Carmel and um, you know, told her I, w- I had met Glenn and that I was interested in wine and um, Karma was very good at assigning projects, so she quickly took me under her wing <laughs> as an undergraduate um, to do a research project with her, and that's when I started working at um, Woodhall Vineyard, which is the OSU uh, vineyard, and um, that, that turned into an undergraduate research thesis, um, I stayed on with Carmo as a graduate student and worked with her team. I feel really fortunate looking back now, you know, at the time OSU didn't have the viticulture classes that they have now and, um, you know, because this was back in the late 90s and, um, and so there were some classes that were general that we could apply to, um, to viticulture and growing grapes and there were definitely classes in the fermentation science program at the time. Um, but I think a lot of my early learning about viticulture and grape growing happened from working with Carmo and her, her team. So her research assistant at the time was um, Steve Castagnoli. Mm-hmm. He is just fantastic. And I learned so much from him and Carmo and the graduate students that were working with Carmo at the time, um, all of whom are still really connected to the wine industry, some in Oregon, some not. Um, but we really learned just from working at, at Woodhall, working on the research projects that she had going and, um, and then that continued as a graduate student. So um, I was able to, to, to take on a pretty large uh, project as a graduate student, as all of Carmo's students did. You know, uh, it's funny, what I, what I know now about um, research, I look back and I realize that Carmo um, was very ambitious in her, in her research projects, they were very complex. Um, but and they were very hard and difficult to set up and the statistics were really tricky um, but we did some some really fun applicable stuff and at the time it was looking at you know cultural practices done in the vineyard whether it's irrigation or you know in row between row management and how that impacted fruit quality um, and as a graduate student I was able to work with Barney too, who Barney Watson was still at OSU at the time um, his graduate student Kate Wall uh, took the fruit from the, the vineyard trial that I was doing and made wine from it. And then another graduate student took it to sensory. So we really had this opportunity to um, to take what we were doing and see what was happening in the vineyard, see what happened during the wine making process, and then get sensory results. Um, folks from the industry were invited to come in and taste those wines. And um, yeah, so that that's what hooked me to, um, to wine was really Going to OSU and mm-hmm. having kind of these opportunities and having doors open and meeting some really great people at the time um, who helped me learn. It's exciting to see now that OSU does have viticulture classes and they have some more specific curriculum and to see so many great students coming out of that program. But um, yeah, when I was there, it was really pre, pre, you know, mm-hmm. the classes that exist now. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Yeah, and then I've been connected in some way or another to the Oregon wine industry since then.
1: (laughs) Well, we were gonna get to all of that. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm curious, uh, you mentioned, when you you went to Oregon State, did you have an idea in mind for what you were going to do?
0: Um, You know, I I was interested in horticulture, interested in plants, so um, at the high school that I attended, I grew up in Oregon, I attended Clackamas High School and at the time they had a horticulture program and so in high school, I got interested in plants, and I, you know, I did the FFA program, and you know, got kind of um, uh, interested in a way that when I knew I was going to OSU and deciding what program um, to look into, horticulture really jumped out out to me. And so um, I connected with the hort department right away, and. Um, ended up spending a lot of time there and had a really good experience so I can't say enough good things and about the Hort department at OSU and um, it's just super exciting to see where it's at now you know and to see you know what I mentioned Carmo I was fortunate to work with her but you know there have been so many great people you know the fact that the work that Patty's doing there now is just so incredible for the industry and um, Ann Conley spent some time there as an extension specialist and I just, I've, I'm, I've always been proud of the work that's come mm-hmm. out of OSU and have been um, thankful to have been a part of, it, of some of it, so.
1: As you were narrowing down, you mentioned kind of narrowing to food, narrowing to berries, mm-hmm. narrowing to grapes. What what was it about grapes and wine eventually that, that struck a chord with you that made you want to continue on that path?
0: Um, you know, I don't know if I knew it at the time, but f- like now, just the... Um, just the value add of wine. I mean, wine is great. Who could not get interested and excited about wine? But um, you know, I think in horticulture, um, oftentimes we we grow these amazing plants, and there's there are these there's products or produce that come from them. And then um, some some of those crops, you have the opportunity to create an incredible value added product. And um, so so wine, I think, very simply, can be described as an interesting value added product that comes from grapes. Um, but it was really um, getting intrigued by like the chemistry and the science that goes into winemaking and um, you know looking at like fruit composition and what's in a berry and how you start the winemaking process and how yeast and bacteria convert that to something that tastes and smells you know completely different later in its life mm-hmm. that whole process totally intrigued me and so um, I think that's why I, I do feel kind of like a generalist with wine like i I appreciate everything that's happening in the vineyard and growing the fruit, but I really appreciate the wine making process and just all the crazy chemistry that happens then and then um, and then seeing seeing the finished product in a bottle of wine and and how that kind of impacts people and their experience with it mm-hmm. so i I really feel like that 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 is different than any other any other barrier fruit crop you um, I mean, I guess some people can argue. You know, we get that with cider, and we get that with other these other things. But there's um, there's just some things, something intriguing there that that caught my attention, and um, I've always I've always wanted to stay connected to.
1: You talked about kind of the the formative experience in, in Australia. Tell me about that from, from your perspective. That, at that point uh you're kind of just throwing all the way into wine yeah. fully in <laughs> so, so for some people that you know that you, you could, be good, it could be a bit of a turnoff if you started if you're not excited about the process so so tell me about that process for you and, and what it was like learning wine in that way in that place
0: yeah it was awesome it was absolutely um for me one of one of the most amazing experiences in my life and i you know, seeing what Oregon has now in terms of education for wine, um, you know, we, didn't, we really didn't have that then. And so I, I feel like the, uh, the experience and the opportunity that I had to go to Australia um, because it was a very focused program and it was very hands-on and um, the university had a vineyard and had a winery, um, that just kind of didn't exist in Oregon at the time. And so I was fortunate enough to go somewhere else and have that experience um, and while I learned a ton about the Australian wine industry and wines made in Australia, I think I was able to appreciate it just from a general point of view of like understanding the process mm-hmm. and understanding the science. Um, and then now, I mean, that's what excites me so much about Oregon education. I mean, we have th- we have those opportunities now here for people um, to get that kind of experience. Um, you know, Chemeketa has a vineyard and winery where students can go and see the full, um, you know, uh starting in the vineyard to to finish wine kind of experience linfield has a program osu you know is has more classes now available and so um yeah at the time jumping kind of i i definitely felt out of out of my league i mean i was like you know i was a a person who was kind of interested in i knew plants and i knew horticulture but like You know, I was not a wine person Mm -hmm. at the time. And um, yeah, my classes were full of a lot of Australian students who knew a ton about wine, um, whether they were coming from families who had vineyards or wineries, or they were already working in the industry and they were just, you know, getting their bachelor's degree. Um, but you know, connecting with them, like I made I made some good friends while I was there that I was able to um, visit wine regions in Australia with them. I was able to see go visit their family vineyards. Um, and there a lot of them are you know amazing winemakers over mm-hmm. there now and it's it's kind of uh, funny to think that I sat in a classroom with them a long time <laughs> ago, feeling really out of out of my comfort zone. Um, I remember my the wine sensory classes at the time so. So, of all the class, so later in life when I started teaching classes um, in wine, in the wine studies program at Chemeketa, um, you know, I got to the point where I could teach sensory classes and. Uh, I absolutely love teaching wine sensory. Like I love helping people feel comfortable with the process and um, helping them develop a vocabulary to talk about wine. That like, and and to kind of connect those dots um, with the sensory experience. And but looking back on my time in Australia, you know, I I didn't know much, and I really, I mean, I wasn't even twenty one yet when I was there. Like I, I hadn't had a lot of wine in my life, and. Um, I just didn't have the vocabulary. I didn't have the ability to to hold my own in those classes. and And in that program, we did wine sensory every morning. So five days a week, that was the first you you showed up and you did an hour of wine sensory to start your day. And you know, that was very out of um, what was normal for me. <laughs> and but i I started to learn very quickly. And the instructors, you know Glenn being one of them, and there were some other um, great, great instructors at at the university. Um, they were really hard on us, you know, made us do the exercises, made us learn the vocabulary. They didn't allow uh, vocabulary outside of, you know, kind of what the protocol was. And so um, that helped me create structure to, um, to my wine tasting kind of experience and knowledge. And that, that's where I started from. So I do appreciate the process now um, and have enjoyed kind of teaching that in my own way to other people <laughs> later in life. <laughs>
1: So after you came back and you finished your undergraduate, worked your way into graduate, all the, all the research you talked about earlier, what, what were you thinking at that point in terms of long term? Were you thinking you, you want to be a winemaker? Were you thinking you want to be a viticulturist? Did you have an idea?
0: I wanted to do everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that's why I landed in education. Um, so yeah, towards the end of um, my graduate work, I, um, so I, lo- I love to work and I usually, if someone says, hey, do you wanna do this? I'm, I'm not one to say no. And so I did. I was able to get some part time jobs at vineyards and wineries. And um, you know, when my first um, job was in a tasting room, and then I was able to start helping in the cellar and even out in the vineyard. Was at, um, at Autumn Wind, which is now Patricia Green Cellars. And Tom and Wendy, who were the owners of Autumn Wind at the time, um, they were so kind, you know, because here I I was a student I kind of knew a lot. I had worked at Woodhall Vineyard, had very little experience in the winery, but they just really took me in and I think they appreciated my enthusiasm and um, I was able to start kind of learning with them and working alongside Tom in the cellar a little bit. Um, drove my first tractor in their vineyard, and I think I scared the heck out of them. <laughs> it's a, there's a steep slope there, <laughs> I'm sure all the folks at Patricia Green know that now. Um, okay, so that was a good, that was kind of a good um, opportunity to, you know, I, ha- I was getting tasting room experience, I was, you know, they weren't making a lot of, I mean, it was kind of small compared to standards now in terms of how much wine they were making. I got a little bit of cellar experience, a little bit of vineyard experience. And then I also um, had an opportunity to work at Amity, Myron gave me a chance up there you know, so I really felt like I was dabbling um, in these kind of part-time jobs, um, and I honestly liked everything. Like I, I really did. I felt like, well, I you know I should I should be in the vineyard because that's where I started. Like that's you know I was interested in horticulture and I was interested in plants. But I'll be real honest, the um, the science of of winemaking and and the sense of, like working in tasting rooms. I love talking to people about wine. Like when they would come in and taste wine. Um, I just I loved it. I loved helping educate them. They would ask questions, and I would I would be able to to answer and share things. And um, so you know I, I really wasn't sure what direction I was going. I'd say at that time, um, an opportunity came up at Chemeketa. Um They were looking for some part time instructors. So they were just getting the wine studies program off the ground. The vineyard had been planted. Al McDonald was teaching some viticulture classes. Um, At the time, Bryce Bagnell had taught the science of winemaking class, but they didn't have the, um, the winery wasn't up and running yet. And so they were looking for a part-time instructor to take over for Bryce. He was at Witness Tree um, at the time and um, I think just kind of too busy to keep Mm -hmm. teaching. Um, And so that... The, so I thought, well, I you know I can do that. That would be really fun. Like I'd get to keep, to, I'd get to talk to people about wine, and I, you know, science of winemaking. I'd get to talk about you know fruit quality in the vineyard, and and how you kind of translate that to the winemaking process, and. Um, Surprisingly, I got that job, <laughs> and um, Al McDonald, you know, was very kind. Took me under his wings, kind of showed me the rope. I don't think anyone really realizes what goes into teaching until you actually go. Oh my gosh, I have to teach a class, and um, you know, Al was great. Um, you know, really helped me feel comfortable in um, kind of what was happening with the wine studies program at Shebekada, and the students. The students were. Um, I mean, I think the students are still amazing, but at the time. I was so amazed at how many people just wanted to learn about wine and they wanted to take classes at Shemachada and they were coming from all different backgrounds. Some of them, you know, had already, you know, purchased land or some of them knew that they wanted to get jobs in the industry. Um, and but coming from you know all different types of backgrounds Mm -hmm. Um, some of them had science backgrounds and some of them didn't so that's the challenge in the classroom is like all right we're going to talk about we're gonna talk about chemistry today and some people are just like this and other people you know are chemical engineers and you know and so so it was this this um, group learning dynamic that was um, very challenging very intimidating at the beginning Um, but then I just got totally hooked I mean I think I think for me, teaching became a little bit of a. Um, it was an awesome challenge. I absolutely loved it. Um, you know, I won't lie. There were there were hard days where you just you felt like you didn't do anything right. But then there are days where you you know you saw dots connected and, um, it, you know, or you ran into students later that they they said, oh, this happened, you know, and you see light bulbs going on or off and. Um, so, very rewarding. Um, and so anyway, I'd say, you know, that added to my part-time mix. So I was, you know, still doing a little bit of research, I was still doing some part-time jobs in the industry, and then now I was, you know, in the classroom. Um, and, and teaching was, like, my favorite thing I was doing at the time, um, but, you know, part-time is, is part-time, and I had some other things going on in my life, actually. We, um, I was getting ready to move, and so I was leaving Oregon. Um, so it wasn't until I came back to Oregon that I really had to go. Um, all right, you know what? What am I going to do? Like not just a bunch of part-time little things anymore. And um, at that time, another great opportunity came up um, at OSU. Um, that was when Ann Conley was the um, she was the new uh, viticulture extension specialist for the state. And she needed a research assistant. They had um, they had also created a, a, an on farm an on farm research assistant. So it was like um, she was the extension specialist, but they wanted to do more research trials in commercial vineyards. So at the you know back when I was in graduate school, Woodhall Vineyard was it for a lot of the research trials were done there. Some were done at Lewis Brown farm. We had started branching out like. Um, one of my um, trials was down at Benton Lane, and one was in um, Newton, at the Newton Vineyard, and one was at Domaine Druin. And we had kind of started then to start doing trials in commercial vineyards. That was important to the industry because they really wanted to make sure that results were reflective of mm. commercial standards in terms of planting and what was happening. Um, and so when I came, we had moved to Florida for a little bit, and then when I came back, Um, I was able to do this on-farm research position where um, at the time, you know, the industry had a few things they wanted to test. Um, There were some folks that said, yeah, you can do this in our vineyard. And that was actually really fun because I was able to take the I was able to take the research process and work with what they had and then kind of just communicate with them like this, this, and this needs to happen. Make sure you don't do this and then we'll come in and we'll measure things. Um, And a lot of that, uh, you know, a lot of that's happening now and I think it's very, I think it's meaningful and it's probably more reflective of some of the differences that exist in vineyards here. Um, so, I did that for a few years and more classes were coming available um, at the time. That's when we started the viticulture classes at OSU, so I was able to teach some of those. I um, had some more classes come up, so I slowly fell into the part-time teaching again. Um, so, yeah, I think there was a message there in terms of what I was leaning towards. Um, and then, you know, when I, um, there was, that's when things were changing at OSU. They were able to hire Patty, and there were some changes with extension and research. And I decided to leave OSU and focus on um, um, teaching part time. Um, and, and I got the opportunity at Shemecketa because the wine studies program had, you know, they have the, the vineyard and the winemaking and the sensory classes as part of their curriculum. I was able to kind of teach all of those. So, this really broad spectrum of classes. I got to um, teach the soils class. Um, I was continuing to teach the science of winemaking and winery process planning and design, and then um, the sensory analysis um, class, one of them. And so I felt like I was getting this great opportunity to cover this really wide spectrum of topics for students, um, and then it, you know that just transitioned into once a full-time teaching position came up at Chemeketa, um, I was really enjoying teaching at the time and um, still feeling very connected to the industry. Um, uh, you know, one thing I have appreciated about the Shemekida program is. Um, we have to teach classes there, or they have to teach. You know, I'm not there anymore, but they have to teach classes that are are relevant, and so um, you know, constantly changing. You know, you never really dial in um, a class, I'd mm-hmm, say, mm-hmm. because you you constantly have to be teaching what's happening in the industry, and you have people taking classes that are working in the industry that very much um, know products that are being tried and and you know different um, things that are that people are trying to do. And so, um, I felt like classes were ever evolving, and um, you know, we we had the opportunity to teach some some, um, you know, very, what am I trying to say, like, um, just very relevant, you know, up-to-date, mm-hmm. up-to-date stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you, you felt very connected to what was happening in the industry, even though you were, you know, out of college teaching classes.
1: So. How did you see the the Chemekina program evolving? Obviously, you were there kind of early on, and then mm-hmm. you took a little gap and came back. How did you see it evolving, and, and what did you see in terms of the both on the faculty side and on the student side in terms of their evolution
0: yeah um, yeah I feel lucky that I've been able to see it for so long so um, like I mentioned you know when I very first started the first class I taught you know at that time it you know Al McDonald was the main um, I'm sure there were other people but you know he he was the main industry person working with the college advising them on you know, if you're going to start a wine studies program for it to be relevant, we need to do this, this, and this. So, so Al was a faculty member at the time, but also, you know, I would say the the lead industry voice. They they had an industry advisory panel, but Al was really ma- you know working with the college to make it happen. The college wanted to support the wine industry, but I think that's one of the beauties of like career technical programs that do get established and. And sustain, or because they have a good relationship with the industry. And you know, Al was that person early on. Um, you know, he advised them on planting the vineyard. He advised them that they needed a winery. He advised them what what the classes were. And I know I don't know exactly when Barney became part of the process. I know he he was advising also during his time at OSU. But then you know Barney eventually transitioned into a full time faculty for Shemeket as well. And I mean you know, talk about a dream team for a wine studies program. You know, Al McDonald, who had tons of experience in vineyard management, and Barney, who, you know, had tons of extension teaching and winemaking experience. I, I think I couldn't have asked for a better team to help advise them on that program. And, you know, being a part-time instructor, working alongside them, you know, before and then even after my gap. Um, I learned a lot from them, you know, and, and um, I learned a lot about teaching. But I also just, you know, learned a lot about why um, why the classes needed to be relevant, you know. And it was that that was a little different from I'd say the classes I had experienced at the university and, and research. Like the the goal was very different. The goal at that time, students wanted to to start their own vineyards. Mm-hmm. Students wanted to make their own wine. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them wanted to just work in the industry but i'd say for the most part most people coming to that program they were ready to to you know make themselves known in the wine industry and that would that either meant planting planting a vineyard or starting their own wine label um and so you know um, I transitioned into full-time faculty actually when when Barney retired, um, and those are tough shoes to follow. <laughs> um, but he is he he's such a great mentor. I mean, I think most people in the industry can say this. You know, Barney has helped so many people, and. Um, you know, besides helping people make wine, he has also helped a lot of teachers. Mm -hmm. And he helped me as an instructor um, whenever I had questions or even just taking over the winery after him. It was just like, oh my gosh, you know, he spent a lot of time with me uh, with that transition. And, and I honestly think, um, I, you know, I don't want to speak for him, but I think Barney really, really cared about students. And he, it was important to him that um, whatever transition happened at Chemeketa, wherever that program went, he wanted to make sure students were the priority and that they had a good experience. So, um, so yeah, and then, um, and then you know, Al eventually retired to, I, I, you know, I've been able to work alongside, um, We've had a number of full-time faculty at Chimeketa, very talented, very talented people, um, and a lot of them, you know, were still connected to the wine industry or even running their own businesses in the wine industry while teaching. I'm not really sure how they did that. I mean, I was just <laughs> teaching full-time. They were, they were doing all sorts of other stuff, um, but. Uh, you know, I, I felt like that added to the program because there was this very real life dynamic. You know, Jessica Cartel was teaching full-time there for so long while running her vineyard management company. And, you know, she could bring real things that were happening on a daily basis with her clients to the classroom and, and students would benefit from that. Um, you know, same thing with other instructors that, that came after they had kind of real life, um, you know, vineyard winemaking experiences that they were bringing into the classroom. So, um, and then at the same time, you know, the full-time faculty couldn't teach all of the classes at Chemeketa, and so we were able to hire part-time instructors occasionally as we needed people to teach classes. And it always felt like pulling teeth because you're asking people, well, you know, can you give a little more time on top of your full-time job or running your business? Um, But again, I think it's one of the... um, one of the amazing parts of the Shimekita program is that you have industry professionals leading classes um, if not teaching whole classes or even coming in and being speakers for classes but we had a number of people from the industry teach um, part-time classes on top of their full jobs full-time jobs and um, you know for a student to have a vineyard manager teaching them a class and you know or for you know a student to have a winemaker come in and teach a wine sensory class it's like you know it, it really... I, I can't say enough about the people that have dedicated their time to teaching classes at Chemeketa. And um, I think all, most of the students who have gone through the program can probably um, recognize mm-hmm. you know, what, what good experiences those were. Um, and then, you know, uh, in, let's see, 2016, um, I had the opportunity to think about transitioning into kind of more of an administrative role at Chemeketa. And um, but I would be able to stay with the wine studies program. That was really important to me. So I I did have this interest in you know what was next after teaching and administration. Kind of sounded interesting, and um, I I did really like the program planning component of. Um, what happens at the college so a lot of time as a faculty member you're part of program planning you know you're saying we need to do these classes and we need to do them in this order and we need to tweak this and this isn't working for the degree so you get to experience a little bit of that and I I felt like this opportunity to transition into administration I would get um, I would broaden my experience with with program management um, and you know be able to to, to to kind of do some more um, to make to make more of an impact mm-hmm. like programmatically than mm-hmm. just in classes. Um, and, and it was a good experience. I, I did miss teaching. Um, I was able to teach a few part-time classes kind of as needed and, and fill in. I just, you know, can't say no to it. <laughs> and, um, and you know, but still found like my favorite time was in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And so um, while I, I appreciate the opportunity I had at Chemeket and it was fun, I did it for three years, learned a lot. Um, I was able to still work with the wine studies program, but work with all the other ag programs, and that was a you know totally new experience. Um, and I you know I gained a lot. Um, I I I did feel I always felt this draw to the wine studies program, and you know um, uh, kind of missed being in the classroom. So you know now I'm now I'm doing other things um, related to program management, but you know. Um, I, I'd say scaled back a little mm-hmm. than, than that transition in, in uh, 2016. So
1: It's interesting that you mentioned that your, your, your formative experience was at a, at a university that had a winery, had a mm-hmm. vineyard, and then and you, and you were at Chemeketa as, as, as Al had insisted on those things. So I'm curious mm-hmm. about that process of having, uh, creating a vineyard, creating a, a winery, and then having students doing a lot of the work or at least a lot of the learning there how did that work in reality and what were the kind of the takeaways you had from that as a a, from the other side as a faculty administrator side
0: yeah super question um so in terms of what happened with learning like fantastic you know you can't ask for a better classroom than a vineyard and a winery so i think from a learning perspective students get an amazing experience and i and i say that from my experience as a student in australia when I had no idea what was happening, you know, beyond what we did in class. And then from a faculty perspective where I saw what was happening in class, and then even as an administrator program perspective, um, you know, seeing seeing some of the real life takeaways that were happening from the entire curriculum, you know, from the entire program. Um, there are definitely challenges. And, you know, as anyone can imagine, um, if you don't make learning the, the top priority of having those things, um, and, and you know, you expect it to to cover costs or you expect it to actually run as a business, then you'll surely be disappointed. Um, and, but, but I, and I say that in the most, most positive way because I, I think that everything that programs like that have, um, as long as learning is the priority, it's a, it's a success. I mean, if, if students didn't have the opportunity to um, calculate volumes of tanks and potentially overfill them or um, not clean a tank properly and see the consequence of that, or, you know, have to stack barrels. Like if they didn't have those opportunities, that's a very different learning experience than just reading about it, you know, maybe seeing it, and then going and getting a job and someone saying, you know, here's the forklift. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could, that's really scary. And so the, the, the tools that those programs have in terms of actually giving those hands-on experiences, um, I think it helps build confidence in students. It helps them learn um, learn why why everything we're talking about is important, Um, learn how to do things, learn how to make mistakes, and then how to problem solve. Um, And then it it builds their confidence and and hopefully takes away a little of that fear Mm -hmm. um, the first time that they have to move wine from one tank to another tank. You know, like, I mean, that's scary stuff. That is really scary stuff. And um, you know, uh, I'm sure people have had some great on the job hands-on training from folks in the industry where they kind of walk them through it but I've heard stories of you know this kind of like all right you know you're ready go and you're dealing with large volumes, you're dealing with large equipment, mm-hmm. and you're dealing with um, a lot of wine that is worth a lot of money, <laughs> and you don't want to make mistakes. And so, um, so I think the tools that those programs, you know, that I was able to experience, and then like Shmeka has had, they're so valuable um, it, for learning. They they are hard to manage from a program perspective because um, you think, well, we have a winery, we should be producing wine, we should be selling wine, and I think you can do some of that, but it's on it's at such different. markets. Origins Mm -hmm. than a commercial winery Mm -hmm. is, Um, and I've I've always personally been okay with that because I I it's very easy for me to to prioritize the student experience and Mm -hmm. to prioritize the learning, and I think for the most part, um, Chemeketa's program does that well. Like they they understand that you know all their career technical programs, they understand that learning and student experience is is the number one priority and. You know, if we end up with a little wine that we can sell, that's great. <laughs> it helps tell the story, um, but there's no way that it can be a perfect business model, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or a bi- you know perfect business model example. So, um, and there were many years of learning and you know getting advice from the industry. How can we, you know, how can we use these amazing resources that have been developed here better? Um, you know, how can we, like, what else can we do? And we we all. I feel like my time at Chemeketa we had an industry advisory board and others who couldn't even serve on the board um, always giving recommendations Mm -hmm. and advice and um, (laughs) never we I don't think we ever felt um, you know for a lack of um, direction at all so Mm
1: -hmm.
0: um, yeah did that answer your question Mm -hmm. yeah
1: (laughs) so I know now that Chemeketa has full-time viticulture kind of head of viticulture Mm -hmm. head and a head of winemaking I'm curious about how that those positions evolved and, and what you were looking for uh what you and the school were looking for when you were filling those positions. What what were the kind of the qualifications? What was the what were the people who ended up getting hired? What did they bring to the school?
0: Yeah, that's a great that's a great question because um you know I was able to so you know I was able to get hired and, you know, feel feel pretty fortunate for, for getting hired, but then um, I was able to hire some of the last instructors in the program now, and, um, you know, the first time, I can't remember which position we hired for first, but um, I'm, I'm proud to say that everyone at Chemeketa that supports career technical programs, and I and I was an advocate for it too, our entire hiring committee that had industry people and also Chemeketa um, people on it, um, the number one priority is um, you know, does this person have experience? So, so you get people, you get people applying for teaching jobs that they definitely have the degree. Um, you know, we would get graduate students. We would get we would get people with PhDs apply for teaching jobs, and I think in career technical, you you want someone with credentials, and you know, you want someone. Um, who maybe has teaching experience mm-hmm. if you're lucky. Um, but the number one, most important thing is that they have experience doing the work. Mm-hmm. And so um, you know, when you look at the full-time faculty that has been at Schmekedden in the last, um, you know, ten years, you know again, Jessica Cortell, Tons of work experience in the vineyard. Uh, Russell Moss, he was coming out of um, Domaine Serenes Vineyards and he had had other vineyard experience and he was a very um, hands on teacher, brought very real life experiences to the classroom. Scott Dwyer had been making wine in Virginia. Um, he came and immediately, you know, really um, increased what was happening in the winery and increased the experiences that the students were having. And now, you know, Brian Barringer and Johnny Brozzi, Brozzi who are there, um, they too, both just brought this hands-on experience, and so I would say, I would say, when when you're looking for instructors to teach classes in career technical programs, you um, you, you know experience comes before degrees, you know, and even before you know formal teaching, but you, that usually is a um, very quick and steep learning curve <laughs> in terms of um, you know you can you can talk about and share experiences, but then making that a classroom. Ex- classroom experience, group learning environment uh, where you're trying to meet kind of course learning objectives, Um, that takes a little planning and a different way of thinking. So, um, no, I feel really, I feel so fortunate, the people that I've been able to work with some some really, really amazing teachers and even even part time instructors that come in, you know, it's so hard and some of them some of them get hooked and really love it and wanna keep doing it and some of them are like, No, teaching's not for me. Like I will I'll keep working with my crew out in the vineyard, but I have no interest in coming back to this classroom and that's just fine. <laughs>
1: you never know until you try.
0: No, I know.
1: So, as you look back at your time at Chemekina, uh what are the, the the kind of the proudest parts for you? What are the things that you look back on most fondly, or the accomplishments either you or or the team had that you're you're proudest of?
0: Um, let's see. I think I'm. I can say personally, I'm. Um, I'm very proud of every class I ever taught. I, you know, I'm not afraid to say it now. Like I, I put my heart into every class and. Uh, well i know I know you know they were never perfect and i I know that um i wasn't uh, i didn't you know i wasn't as good of an instructor in the beginning I always cared about the the end product I always cared about the outcome and so i'm very proud of every class i ever taught i feel like i um, i always I always met the learning objectives as best I could and I felt like I was always available for students. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm very proud of the work that I did in the classroom um, and thankful for the experience. I am um, Another thing I'm proud about, and this isn't personally, I think this is more general for what the program has prepared students for. Um, I look out at the wine industry now and I see so many people who sat in our classrooms and that makes me very proud. Um, not that, you know, I, I, that's not personal pride. That is like the, the program was able to maybe not um, provide people with everything that they need, but there, there were resources there that, that were given and received that help people achieve where they're at now. And so I, I love looking out at the industry now and thinking, Oh my gosh! Like you know, I remember your. I remember the first day of class when you came in, and you know, and now you're making your own wine, you know, or you're you have your own vineyard, or, um. So I'm proud of that. I think um, that to me, um, says that education is not the only pathway, but it is a, it is a pathway, and it is um, it has helped a lot of people. So I'm I'm proud of that. Um, and then I am I am very proud of, I think. Um, carrying I'll say kind of carrying the torch for um, for Al and Barney I think they started a really great thing at Chemeketa. Um you know like it's kind of amazing when you when you think about that Oregon has three great education programs now <laughs> when you know when I was back in school we like that none of that existed mm-hmm. and so I, I really saw this evolution happening at Chemeketa. and um, I'm proud that the um, the program continued to um, be relevant. I'm I'm proud that um, and and I think I played a role in that. I'm proud that we were able to recruit and hire you know such talented people, Um, and um, I'm I'm proud that we're still using those original tools that were visioned early on as part of the learning. Um, again, there's, you know, we can always do more with them, and there are probably always better ways to use them, but um, students can go there and get, get a real, a real you know, working experience in, in the winery or the vineyard, and so I'm proud that faculty are still doing that. We did make some program um, changes, our curriculum changes kind of, you know, 2017 to 2019 that I think were important at the time. Um, and you know, for the most part, I think that they 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 helped students who um, maybe wanted shorter shorter training,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, still get the skills that they needed to get jobs, but maybe they didn't have the time or the resources to complete a full degree. And that's always tricky, you know, at any educational institution. It's like degrees are this complete thing that you can say, well, someone got a degree, but. Um, you know, someone getting a job has just as much value as them getting a degree, and so we always were trying to balance that um, in the wine studies program at Shemakita. We, you know, if that's what a student wanted, then that, that, was, that was a success, whether they finished the complete program or not, and so um, actually I'd say, you know, Russell Moss and Scott at the time were, were really instrumental in looking at the classes and going, you know, let, let's put these together. Or let's let's you know kind of rearrange things, and it kind of created some some shorter-term trainings as options for students. Um, and some of that's continuing now, and you know some of it's changing. But that's just part of that uh, the evolution that's always happening, <laughs> trying to meet everyone's needs. So yeah, that's a good question.
1: Yeah. So obviously, uh, as as, you're, as you were at Chemeketa, you became involved in another organization mm-hmm. here, and that's uh, the, the way you and I interacted the most. So tell me about uh, discovering Ivoy and and um, becoming part of it.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so um, 2018, I think, was the first time I met Sophia. So Sophia um, Torres-McKay, she came to Chemeketa. Um It was actually, she, let's see. We met at a meeting. It was an it was a more general agriculture meeting, but um, she marched right up to me and said, "You know, we're starting a nonprofit for vineyard stewards, and we want to design a training program. And I'd love to talk to you." And I was like, "Yay! This is great!" And and the reason I was um, so excited is, you know, I I I have to mention the Arath Family Foundation because in my time as um, a part-time instructor, full-time instructor, and then you know, even transitioning into admin, um, there's been a longstanding scholarship available from the Gareth Family Foundation to support anyone working in the wine industry to take classes in wine, and their scholarship would match funds from the employer. So I always knew that there was this interest in the industry in making that happen. And unfortunately, we had a really, sometimes we had a hard time filling those scholarships. And um, I even, I spent one summer with um, Mark Chen and Dickie Rath, and we drove around, and we talked to people, and we said, you know, you know, this exists, like, um, why are people not taking advantage of it? And, you know, at that time, I was hearing a lot from vineyard owners and vineyard managers saying, well, you know, the folks working in our vineyards, they would probably love to take classes. But... There are so many barriers to your classes. Um, you know the schedule, the timing, the fact that they're taught in English, the prerequisites around them, um, and so we learned a lot that summer about if you know if, if scholarships like the the generous run that the Erath Family Foundation had in place were going to work. We really needed to to address the barriers or change the way classes were offered for folks that we wanted to use those scholarships. So. For Sophia to come up and share her idea, it just it immediately told me like this this is a new way of thinking about how to get people who are working in the vineyard um, into the classroom and to mm-hmm. get them education. And you know, at that time, not knowing much about um, Sophia and Aivoy, I I would say you know I was making an assumption at that time. But after getting to know her more, and to know what the um, the the other co-founders of Aivoy were interested in doing. It was a bit different, I'd say, but um, for the most part, we still had to address. Well, um, if there's this interest in getting um, people who are working in vineyards into the classroom, how are we going to do that? Mm -hmm. And really, from from at the the, you know before Iivoya was a nonprofit, their idea was that the training would look very different. It was, you know, they were not interested. Not that they were interested, but they wanted something that was an introduction, an awareness program. That then, maybe people would be interested in other classes that existed and and that was the main difference mm-hmm. between I think the the scholarship that we were having a hard time finding getting people to apply for and then and then what I schools were so um you know I I can't say enough amazing things about Sophia. she's a she's a force to be reckoned with, she's so enthusiastic and um, I immediately was super excited to start talking to her and, um, you know, she kind of shared with me um, her and Miguel and Jesus' vision and the story of, you know, why this was important to them? Um, why they wanted to create educational opportunities for vineyard mm-hmm. stewards? And she essentially was just coming to me saying, you know, what can Schmecka do? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, um, she was connecting with other people too. She was talking to Linfield, what can Linfield do? What can OSU do? There was just this question of like, you know, hey, it's it's time to do something. Let's mm-hmm. do this. And so. Um, I was still at Chemeketa at the time. We started um, roughly sketching out um, some outlines of what a training program could be based on their goals, but I think based also on, well, you were part of those conversations, You know what, what we knew for, uh, you know, from educational institutions in terms of um, what might work and what might not work. Um, we got some rough outlines put together, got those approved as a non-credit training program. Um, and in the meantime, Ivoy became a non nonprofit um, and uh, we were able to um, to try this like really quickly. <laughs> and, um, and it, I, I think it was great. you know they um, you know I, in fact, it's kind of funny now to think back to the, those first conversations about outlines like we weren't well, we weren't totally sure what the classes should look like, but we knew it, they had to have these components. Mm-hmm. I'd say that the co founders of Ivoy, it was really, you know, what stands out to me was they, they really wanted vineyard stewards to understand why the work they were doing in the vineyard was so important to the rest of the winemaking process, um, the finished wine and even the consumer experience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Sophia, I remember her sharing some stories with me saying, you know, I would talk to vineyard stewards in my vineyard and they had never tasted wine or, you know, they didn't understand, um, you know, how what they were doing on that day impacted fruit quality and, you know, ultimately the end wine. And, And because, you know, she is a vineyard owner and she produces wine, she could see the big picture and she really just wanted to share that with them. Mm-hmm. And that was her direct communication that was her direct story to me. I, I didn't necessarily ever have a conversation about Jesus or with Jesus. Um and, but it sounds like him and Miguel had that same feeling mm-hmm. of like, you know, hey, there you know, there there are folks in our vineyards all throughout the season doing this amazing work, but maybe not really understanding the, you know, why. Mm-hmm. And so um it was, you know, to sit down and think about, well, how do we create a class or a training for them that will help them understand the why of their job, but also help them um, maybe advance in their jobs or help them again build confidence because that's what education does. Kind of going back to what I said earlier, um, help help them build the confidence that you know they're important and they're potential leaders in this industry that they have a that they have a voice and um, and so. You know yeah, developing those early outlines and getting it approved through Shemakkata as a non-credit training, you know figuring out how to make it work um, that was really fun and I you know in the middle of all of that, I decided to you know for personal reasons just to leave Shimekata and um, start doing some other things and um, but I was able to stay connected to Ivoy and I feel super fortunate to um, continue to be um, involved in um, trying, I would say we're still in the trying phase of this program because we still have a lot to learn. Um, but good things are happening. We've had three classes of vineyard stewards now um, come to Schimekada uh, for 16, 17 weeks. The the length of the program has changed a few times, um, and you know they're able to be in a classroom with instructors, work on advanced, you know, vineyard technical topics. They're able to work with an instructor and be introduced to the winemaking process. They're able to visit wineries and vineyards and see other equipment at companies that they're not working with. They're able to have industry folks come in and, and have discussion panels about topics. Um, and they're able to, to learn about, you know, more, more about the vineyard, more about the winery, but then to also. Um, you know, work with um, folks that are on the sales side and marketing side of wine, and so um, while I think some people might question, well, you know, how's that helping them be better, you know, uh, vineyard stewards? Um, I'd say that it um, it's an opportunity to to um, maybe potentially open open their eyes to. You know, there may be other things in the industry that they can do, but also see, you know, what, I, what I'm doing in the vineyard um, has an impact mm-hmm. on, this, on this finished wine. So, um, while I think developing a general kind of awareness program is, is kind of scary, because you're not sure, like, is this going to be in depth enough, I see the value of it now after three classes have gone through it. I see a lot of opportunity, too, and that's why I say we're still trying, because I, I think there's a lot of work to do. You know this program is it's such a great starting point um to build additional advanced training off of um you know to take some of the vineyard topics even in more depth Mm -hmm. Um, or if there's a vineyard steward who is maybe interested in starting their own business or you know has an entrepreneurial interest you know developing some some business training for them um and so I think there's so much more to learn uh, with the Way program, um, and uh, so Iowa as an organization is doing amazing work. I think the fact that they've they've been the the motivational force between getting the wine industry professional training program started and happening for three years um, it, it just it says a lot. I think they have the ability to really shape and shift this program into. Um, serving vineyard stewards in multiple ways, like in ways that it's not even serving them right now. Um, and so it's been a complete pleasure um, to be part of it. And I'm excited to see, you know, like, where's it gonna go? Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> so much to do there. I wish that could be a full-time job.
1: <laughs> well, I believe you were the first paid employee, of so yes. the way, so there is yeah. that at least. I know.
0: Yeah, again, I can't say no to things, right? <laughs> I think Sophia read that on me as soon as she met me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what were the, I mean, I have my own opinions on this. Obviously, a, a caveat is that I was, part, like you said, part of this pro- uh-huh. process as well. Uh, from your opinion, what were the biggest challenges, obstacles, toward toward the program, and, and how well has Ivoy sort of taken those on so far, and, and what does it look like right now? What does the program look like right now uh-huh. as, you, as you look ahead?
0: Yeah, um, so um, Let's see, so the first part of your question, I think the, you know, the biggest um, barrier that I've immediately met was that um, as an organization, you know, and, and people on the board representing the organization, they, they, have, um, they have a connection and a relationship to vineyard stewards that none of the educational institutions have had. Um, and so that that's absolutely critical. You know, you have you have people like Sophia and Miguel going out and and talking to vineyard stewards and encouraging them and saying, you know, if. If we can if we can get you in class one day a week or you're willing to try you know you can do it and that encouragement and that connection I think that person that the, the motivation that they offer and the examples that they set. I mean they are leaders in the Oreo wine industry and for them to, to go out and interact and talk to vineyard stewards and say you know, um, we're working on creating this opportunity and you, and you know, we're confident you can be part of it. That, that was something that just wasn't happening with any of the educational institutions and so we weren't seeing Vineyard Stewards taking classes. Um, so that barrier was, was very important. I think I've I think I have always willingness to work with employers um, initially and just say, you know, we want to do this. We recognize, you know, traditional class schedules and stuff don't always work for for working vineyard stewards, um, how can we how can we set up a schedule that works? And so, doing kind of an intensive one day a week, six hours a week, um, that appeals to more employers in supporting their their employee from being away from work than I would say you know taking a few night classes here and there or you know an afternoon class here. So, schedule that was something that mm-hmm. um, both the industry and way as an organization, and then even you know Shimekada hosting the program. That was a very easy, like, oh, OK, let's, let's do what works, right? Um, and Iveway really initiated that conversation with employers. I think because Ayavoy is an organization, to really represents people that own vineyards and are running businesses in the industry, um, it's a very industry it's more industry motivated than I would say other programs you know are maybe a little more college motivated or not motivated, but like we're, we're, we're making decisions based on on our lens at the mm-hmm. college or university and you know as we as this program was being developed, we were making decisions based on the industry lens and um, so that, that was really important um, and then uh, another major thing that was important to um, Ivoy as an organization was that um, they didn't want vineyard stewards to have to choose between a paycheck and going to class. And so, and I, I'd, say I'd say we're still figuring this out because I, I don't know what the answer is, I don't know if anyone does, but um, figuring out a way to have vineyard stewards say, yes, I wanna take a class, I'm willing to commit to this training, um, but I'm, you know, I can't give up. I, my family can't be affected by it, or I can't be affected by it. My paycheck can't be affected by it. Um, I avoid, it, they were adamant about supplying a salary stipend, and so figuring out how that was going to work um, as an organization, they just they just started fundraising for it, and that, that was they were going to help Vineyard Stewards pay tuition fees um, and the salary stipend. Which is, um, you know, which is fantastic, and it's it's somewhat of another motivator for the employer to support the vineyard steward in going to class because, um, you know, it is a cost to the employer. the The vineyard steward's gone for six hours, and while while we do run the program January to April. You know, January, February, it may not be as big of a deal, but as soon as stuff starts happening, I mean, pruning is a big deal, but, you know, they might be able to, to give people a little more time in the winter. But then as soon as things start happening, <coughs> excuse me, in March and April, um, it is really hard to, to have someone out for six hours, <laughs> and so if an employer was, was needing to fill in or to hire an extra person, you know, we wanted to make sure that the employer didn't necessarily have to cover the, um, the salary of the employer, employee who was, who was in class. Um, so we've tried different ways of doing this. Um, you know, I've always committed to fundraising that um, for Vineyard Stewards. We've had the opportunity this last year to partner with or other organizations. Who uh, Willamette Workforce Partnership? They get grants to support on the job training, Um, so they have grant dollars that can be used for salary stipends. So I'd say we're still figuring it out. Those programs, um, like we're, I feel so lucky to experiment with this partnership with Willamette Workforce Partnership because they have grant money this year that's helping pay some of the salary stipends. Um, But you know, process is very real, and so we do have to work out kinks and in terms of like paperwork and requirements and. Um, and I think what I'm learning, you know, from watching all of this unfold, um, there, there's a certain amount of, you know, there's a certain number of barriers that vineyard stewards are willing to try to overcome. And there are a certain number of barriers that employers are willing to try to overcome. And there are a certain number of barriers that educational institutions are trying to overcome to make it all happen. And um, I think everybody has their point of, you know, is it worth it or is it not worth it? And I see a lot of energy and a lot of um, motivation in trying to make this work. Like we want to get vineyard stewards educational opportunities. We want to get them in the classroom. We want to help develop them as leader. They're, they're future leaders in the Oregon wine industry. Um, but we have to figure out how to do that and have it work for for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so that's the part that, that we're still, um, I'd say still, still working out. Um, there was another thing. Your, your question made me think of something else too, and then I, I started rambling. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> That's a great answer. Let's see. Oh, okay, the, uh, the other thing, and I, you know, um, I, think, I think one of our biggest challenges right now, um, and I, I flip back and forth on. Sophia and I have talked a lot about this. so. Um, the 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 co-founders of ivoy have you know really really wanted um, educational opportunities in English for vineyard stewards and um just because they you know they want they want them to start practicing English um if they're not already and feeling more comfortable with English you know in the wine industry um, <clears throat> my educational background um I was really worried about this like really worried i you know Throwing someone into a classroom and kind of like having them learn in English, you know, like immersion programs, they, like they work, they exist, they're they're out there. But when we, but when we're when we're dealing in like this kind of contextualized workforce, these topics that some words might be familiar, but they're like we have this very specialized vocabulary. Um, it, I just, I just worry that we're missing an opportunity for people to really. Um, to really get the most out of the, the educational experience, um, and so, you know, we've seen the three class the the two classes that have finished, and then the one class that's still going. We've seen the two classes that have finished. Um, a lot of them come out of the a lot of the vineyard stewards come out of the program saying, you know, I, I appreciate being pushed a little in my English, and you know, you hear and I think, well, okay, so maybe maybe this is okay. Maybe it's okay that we're doing all of this in English, um, and you know, but i I know also that we've probably have lost some vineyard stewards, and we probably have some vineyard stewards who don't aren't interested in the program because of the English um, because it's all taught in English. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have an instructional assistant you know who's who's bilingual um, but the the goal is not to translate everything it's to have them learn in English mm-hmm. um, and i you know I wrestle with this, um, but i think i'm I'm starting to see with this third class one thing. One thing that I think we can do—I think it's one of the next steps to potential improvement in this program—is um, you know continue to teach this core this core awareness wine industry professional training program. Continue to teach it in English with Spanish support. I think it's actually great, but we now have the opportunity to to um, to help support vineyard stewards and people who want to get into this program with doing some contextualized. Um, instruction in spanish and I, I i i think it's you know i feel like everyone that's talking about it is excited about it and i'm i'm confident we can figure out a way to do it you know it's going to take resources um, but helping kind of prepare prepare folks a little bit better for that language barrier. I just think that's one area that, that I know I've always interested in working on. I know Schmekcket is interested in working on and I think collectively we'll, we will figure that out um, and that's going to be more program development you know it's really it's really going to come down to like um, you know not, not just saying, well, you know go over here and learn English and then come back. It's like no, let's create. Let's create a way that you could, we can improve some English skills still in a contextualized way that's relevant to your work, that's relevant to your life, and then build that confidence so then you can, you can come into this, you can apply for this core program a little bit more confidently um, and get this, this broader experience. So um, I'd, say, I'd say that's one of the challenges, but also one of the most exciting things that I, I hope as an organization will continue to... To kind of figure out, you mm-hmm. know, and talk to vineyard stewards about, you know, what would work, what wouldn't work. Um, talk to Schmeckena, what can we do in terms of resources? Talk to other educational institutions. So, that's the exciting stuff that's coming.
1: Well, along that line, uh, obviously you mentioned, kind of in the middle middle of the third the third cohort this year, and. The, the least pandemic affected cohort, I think, so far. Um, tell me about uh, what else you're seeing kind of for iVoice Future. Obviously, like you said, in the learning phase, a lot of things being mm-hmm. tried, a lot of things being being fixed. What do you see coming down the road the next few years? And what are kind of the ultimate goals that either you have for the organization or the organization has for itself?
0: yeah um well, I think you know I don't want to speak for the organization because i now you know i am I'm just a board member so i i want to advocate for the organization I don't want to speak for them, but I think that they um you know ivoy has the opportunity to continue to improve what the amazing you know what they have amazingly created in three years during a pandemic <laughs> you know let's just let that sit for a minute um, and so i i think they have they have the um the ability to improve on that, but then they have the opportunity to um, to uh, to expand, and I think um, really expand like on the the leadership potential piece. So um, I think right now the training curriculum again is um, it's a lot of awareness, but you know the organization has talked about how can we. Um, as students finish this, so they've gained this greater awareness. They've they've started to put the work that they do into context into the broader industry. Afterwards, as an organization, how can we support them in doing something with that? And um, you know, we've we've talked a lot about that as a board. I don't think we're I don't think as an organization we're sure what that looks like. But I know there I, I know there's interest there. You know, it's um, because that's what's really going to turn. The opportunity into um, either you know advancements in careers, um, leadership in the industry, um, maybe you know if someone's interested in in some sort of entrepreneurial effort, we have to be able to support them after the program. And I, I think we're we're just not quite sure what that looks like, um, but the interest is there. And I'd say that that would probably be you know one of the um, first next steps mm-hmm. for the organization is, is knowing how to support support people after. You know, and I, I, I'll, I'll say um, that's from the, um, the organizational perspective. I think, I think from the educational institutions, so continuing, you know, they're seeing what's happened. They're seeing Vineyard Stewards, in, so Chemeketa, OSU, Linfield, they're seeing Vineyard Stewards in classrooms. And, and all, while, while Chemeketa is hosting the program, um, Linfield very much is contributing to resources for the Iowa program, and OSU has been very willing to support on additional training. So, I would say while it's housed at Shemakeeta, all of Oregon's wine programs are making making Iowa making this training program happen. Um, and the reason why I point that out now is I think that's part of that after after the program support, is identifying so vineyard stewards who maybe are interested in getting a degree, you know, making sure that they're connecting with a best fit. Um, which we have we've had you know one vineyard steward has said i would like to get a degree from osu and he, you know he's been working in oregon vineyards for eight years um he recognizes the value of his work experience and he, you know he he says i think if i take my work experience and a degree from osu i believe i can become a vineyard manager in oregon mm-hmm. and it's so true you know and so so part of our job as an organization um, but also as educational institutions is help is help connect him to that you know to where to where um, he might go after the Ivoy program Um, but then other folks too that are in the program maybe that aren't interested in degrees you know how can um, I I think from the educational institutions perspective looking at you know how how can we support vineyard stewards more what can we offer them it brings up questions of, you know, specialized extension trainings from OSU. Can we make some of those bilingual? Um, can we offer them specifically to vineyard stewards? Um, you know, um, at Shemekada or their other programs? You know, other, you know, welding and ag equipment management. You know, um, business classes in Spanish. Like, like, how can we help connect them to what they need? So, um, I think it's that support afterwards will be. That, that's real. I think that's the work in the upcoming year for both Ivey as an organization, and then work. You know, way can work with its partners, educational institutions, but then also employers. You know, that that conversation is so important because we need we need the employer support. And you know, going back to the ERA Family Foundation scholarship, they knew that from the beginning. That's why they set up their scholarship that way. Of, you know, the employer has to support the employee, and then we'll support you through the scholarship. They knew that that. Support from the employer was so important mm-hmm. in, in um, an employee feeling like this is going to help me mm-hmm. this is going to help me mm-hmm. get better at my job this is going to help me do my job better this is going to help me in my career um, that that's a really important relationship and so I've always an organization um, needs to you know continue that the mm-hmm. conversation with employers so that, seems, that always seems easy to do in Oregon I feel like people um, are that's you know again looking back on my uh, time you know as a student and um, as an instructor and in even all my little part-time roles in the industry um, I am amazed at how collaborative this industry is and how willing people are to um, to to work on something that benefits everyone mm-hmm. so
1: well, that leads me in nicely into my next question as I was going to talk about your, sort of your perspective on the industry. Obviously, mm-hmm. you've you uh, seen it for a, for a good amount of time and also from a variety of, of angles. Tell me what the industry looks like now to you versus when you started in it. What are the biggest, mm-hmm. sort of biggest changes, biggest differences, and, and what does the industry look like now in 2022?
0: Yeah, um, I, think, I think the best way I can answer this is um, mm. so early on... Again, um, I'd say when I I'm gonna I'm gonna answer it from my kind of my teaching lens and how how students changed over time Mm -hmm. because I think it has reflected how the industry has changed. Um, Early on, the first students that I was working with um, when I was teaching part time and kind of you know I'd say the students that Alan Barney were working with initially, um, they were they were very much people. Getting into the Oregon wine industry, so they were purchasing land or had already purchased land. They were, they were planning on building wineries. They were um, starting their own businesses. Um, I think in that, uh, you know, 18-year span, a lot of the students now. We still get a small percentage of students coming to the Schmecketa program that you know maybe their family has a vineyard or their family has land and. We've had a number of students who have kind of taken over the family business, um, but we have, I'd say, the a larger percentage of students um, that they ju- they want jobs in the wine industry. They they know that they. Um, they want to manage vineyards or they want to be a winemaker um, or they want to just get a cellar job so they can work their way up mm-hmm. um, or they um, they want to get into uh, wine sales and marketing. You know, to tried a wine um, business program. Um, for a, a few years, but I feel like now, you know, other opportunities that exist for training either at a national level or, you know, programs, um, you know, classes at Linfield or even, I mean, some some at Chemeketa, people can kind of dabble in, in finding a pathway there. Um, but I, I'd say that that's the, it, it's a little bit reflective of how the industry has changed in that there, you know, 18 years ago, there were still opportunities for people to, to come into the industry and buy land and kind of start their own thing, and learn from their neighbors and take classes and you know kind of figure it out and you know join groups and you know they learned how to plant and grow a vineyard, <laughs> um, but I don't see that happening as much now. I think um, I think now people obviously you know land costs are. Very high land access is a huge barrier for all of agriculture, not just the wine industry. And so, I think um, people who are transitioning into the wine industry, if they don't have land as a resource, they really see um, getting in, you know, in into the wine industry by getting a job is is kind of their goal. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so, skills-based training is still very important, but it's a different perspective than someone who. Someone who was coming to Chemeketa to to not only learn how how to grow grapes, but like how how to do their taxes, you know, and how to, you know, I mean, everything. Like they were trying to start a business, run a business, you know, and um, plant a vineyard at the same time. So it's a little bit different um, now. I think there are more jobs available in the wine industry now though. You know, 20 years ago, um, I think you could, you know, you could get well you could there were a lot of little kind of part-time seasonal jobs and while those still exist i mean we have our high times and low times in the wine industry in terms of seasons Um, there are a lot more full-time established jobs in the wine industry so it is it is an industry now where I, I think it's great that people can look at that as a potential career, mm-hmm. like a real a real full time thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are so many jobs now in in marketing and sales that just didn't exist. I mean, <laughs> you know, in the in the '90s, like fo- folks were they were doing everything. They were growing the grapes, making the wine, and selling their wine on their own. And now, you know, now companies are able to hire people to help with that and mm-hmm. and create full time positions. So. Um, I think I think that's the the biggest change. I mean, obviously, we have more vineyards, we have more wineries. Oregon's at a scale, um, you know, um, it's just so yeah. It's it's just a completely different scale. But I I think in terms of being recognized. Um, Oregon's always been recognized as a, as a high quality you know especially the Willamette Valley, a high quality wine growing region and even though we've grown in size, um, I think we're still recognized for um, for quality um, high quality grapes and high quality wine, high quality businesses, businesses that care about things that are important to the local communities um, and and so you know I think in terms of there, there's something really consistent that hasn't changed, and I would say that that it, that's probably um, whether you want to call it, you know, brand Oregon or in, the image of Oregon. I think that there has there's always been this consistent thread that is still there today. That um, that Oregon produces really good wine. Um, they care about the environment. They care about education. Um, you know, I think as a, as an industry as a whole, there's there's been so many amazing things that have been done that that. You know, high quality, doing things that, that that benefit the environment and benefit our people has always been important. Um, I think in terms of how you get involved in that has been what's changed. Um, and that's probably just, you know, um, a lot to do with economy and um, what's possible now. So um, I will say, though, you know, I've had a number of students in the last 10 years that... Um, People people are now very creative too with how they can start their own thing in the wine industry. So, um, I, I you know I, I don't I don't want to say that nobody can start their own thing anymore. That it's just about getting jobs because it's not um, the number of people who are cooperatively making wine, who are sharing spaces, who are. Um, you know, sharing equipment. Who, I mean, that's gone up astronomically in the last ten, 15, you know, probably that probably even started 15 years ago, um, just because people realized, you know, it's it is, you know, land's expensive. It's hard to build build a winery, so let's get creative. Where can we make wine in shared spaces and do this a little bit more cooperatively? And um, it's exciting to see. Uh, how much wine is being produced here now, and some on a very small scale because people are people are being creative, you know. Um, and then other changes. I think you know, well, that common thread. You know, Oregon's always been known, always been known for Pinot Noir, but you know, one of the other changes. I think the, you know, the fun varieties that people are experimenting with and getting, um, getting recognized for. I think the amount of work that still goes into figuring out Oregon Chardonnay is interesting um, and amazing and wonderful. Like um, you know, And the fact that sparkling wine is making such a huge impact here now. Um, all of those changes have happened. And when you think about why, they're, why they've happened, um, it's because people continue to innovate here. People continue to want to learn. And I am amazed at how many people have come to Oregon. For, for wine and I think it's those you know it's it's all of the the people that have brought their experiences from other places that have 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 recognized things that you know maybe we didn't see ten years ago 15 years ago and then they tried them and now they're successful so you know the combination of um, you know, continued research, continued innovation, continued education, but then also a whole kind of flood of new people to the wine industry. you know that that's what's that's what's um, driving the changes right now. and they all appear to be pretty good at the moment. <laughs> I can't say anything bad.
1: Right? <laughs> what about as you you look ahead then for the industry obviously uh been a rough couple of years with the pandemic with a a really rough uh, harvest in 2020. um what do you see coming down the line for oregon wine what is it going to look like in the next few years and is there anything that you're looking ahead to with excitement anything you're looking ahead to with with fear um
0: well i'm um at, you know, at the moment, I'm I'm most excited. I'm most excited for vineyard stewards. I just I really I really want to see them elevated in this industry. Um, it's that's one of the reasons why I um, love being part of Ivoy and supporting Ivoi. Um, you know, they've vineyard stewards have always um, played an important role, but I think the fact that um, we create opportunities and start to to elevate what they're doing and its impact on being the true foundation of what's happening here. Um, that's super exciting to me. So um, you know whether it's work IAVO does or other organizations that are you know working to um, to bring attention you know to to everyone in the industry. Mm-hmm. I think that's super exciting, mm-hmm. um, and I'm I'm really looking forward to that. Um, you know in terms of. I, I don't feel I don't feel like I'm an appropriate person to talk about the industry in terms of um, business because I'm not a business owner, um, so I'll I'll leave that one. But in terms of education, oops, I my mic. Um, I think in terms of education, um, there's there continues to be a lot of opportunity. So so like when I look back, I think, wow, you know, students are so lucky now that they can come to Oregon and they've got they they have you know these great programs to choose from. They have community college programs to choose from. Linfield has a world class program. Um, OSU has this you know, amazing research education program and you can kind of pick and choose what you want to do. And you know I think I said it in the beginning I, I try to always remind myself education is not the only pathway but it is a pathway and the fact that we have so many that students have so many opportunities now to pursue a pathway that works for them Mm -hmm. um that's very exciting i and and honestly i think the one thing i've always taught me in the last two years is we're not done developing you know like like there is more there are more educational pathways that don't exist here that will in the future Mm -hmm. and so um from an educational perspective i think there's there's more that that can be done there are more ways to um Um, to learn in traditional ways through programs there are ways to um, i think through all of the cooperative work that's happening in the wine industry there's a lot of learning and education happening there Um, and then you know opportunities for people to grow their businesses cooperatively there's learning to happen there so um yeah i i don't i think there's there's more to come and we have even better resources now than we did 20 years ago to make those things happen. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, Um, you know, the pandemic definitely uh, took a toll on educational institutions. You know, it's been hard for people to attend class, Uh, you know, in a way, the pandemic taught us that a lot of classes can be taught virtually. Whether that's um, good or not, I think we really, really, as, educators and as students have to weigh value and convenience and really be honest about, am I getting the most out of this experience um, virtually? And for some programs, the answer might be yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That the the convenience of doing this virtually, you're getting the same value, if not more. Um, Then then we need to keep doing it that way. I you know I worry I, I see this even in the work I'm doing now just working on, on some projects as a um, project coordinator. Um, a lot of times that convenience that the that the virtual world has come in because of the pandemic. We 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 you know the convenience is nice. We have more time. We can do more. Um, but are we um, are we connecting? You know, are we getting what we should be getting out of this? And I think. I think with something like education, um, we have to be really honest about what we need to get out of it. And so I guess that, I guess that would be something that it'll be interesting to watch. You know, again, I'm not at Shemacana anymore, but um, how Shemekina and Linfield, and OSU manage that and encourage students to um, to think about what what classes does it make sense for you to mm-hmm. do virtually. I you know I know with with the Ivoy program and Vineyard Stewards, even um, in 2020. Uh, when everything shut down, you know, we just decided to pause. There was, there was no way that we were taking what they were doing and even attempting to do it virtually um, for multiple reasons. And I'm, I'm so glad that we did that. Um, they, it did create this big pause in their program, and they had to come back later. And I will say, you know, they came back to class with masks on and, you know, distanced and did all of these things to stay safe just to be back in person, just to be back in a classroom. And um, you know, and I know that students all over are gonna have to start start doing more of that. I know they have, have started this last year, um, but um, recognizing the importance of that um, in terms of hands-on learning, but also just connection and relationships because <laughs> We are talking about the wine industry here, <laughs> and connection and relationships are very important. And um, you know, I I would I guess that's one thing that I hope I hope we'll get um, all of wine education back in person. But maybe there is some maybe there is some stuff that that is better left um, you know virtual. I mean, we have been able to connect with programs in other places in the, in the world just because of that. So. Um, I guess that's what we have after the pandemic in terms of educational opportunity is some things we can say, wow, you know, we can connect to people all over now or we can tap into other programs. um, But we don't want to we don't want to lose the value of connection and relationship and hands on learning either. So
1: Mm -hmm. So you talked a little bit about. The work you're doing now. So tell us a little bit about kind of your cur- current work and, and what's in the future for you.
0: Yeah, so um, when I left Chemeketa, I that was right before month before the pandemic started. <laughs> so thought I was going to transition into other things, but I you know started working as an independent contractor. Um, I had just finished my um, uh, my project coordinator program up at uh, Portland State University and um, just started taking on little projects, and um, I really enjoy it. So I've done um, some, some grant writing. I've, um, you know, continued to help Ivoy kind of develop the wine industry professional training program, um, have worked with um, some groups to do some other programming, and currently right now um, I'm working with Chemeketa and OSU again as a coordinator on a... Um, uh, USDA grant, so they got a um, beginning farmer rancher development grant. Um, we're, this is just the planning year, so I'm helping them just through the planning phase of the grant um, develop poten- a potential future incubator farm. Um, but also the curriculum and program that'll be kind of the wraparound portion of that to help folks who are interested in getting into farming get the training that they need, production training, but more important, um, the business mm-hmm. development and planning training to, um, to hopefully start their own farm. You know, again, we, the, the challenge there is land access, so that's the part of traditional incubator farms, um, as folks transition out of those programs, it's always hard to find land and, uh, that's affordable, that's close to the markets they've developed. So, we're working this year with OSU Extension and Chemeketa and other stakeholders in the um, you know Marion, Yamhill, Polk County area to figure out you know is there another model we can come up with that will help support people in getting the training that they need and then transitioning into farming at a scale that's um, sustainable and economical. So. Yeah, so that, that's kind of the big one I'm working on right now.
1: And what about in the future?
0: I don't know if someone wants me to teach something. now. I'm just joking. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of, uh, I feel like taking, uh, taking, taking it year by year right now. I, I didn't used to like to say that, but now that I have um, kids, it's easier to say take it year by year, so um, I have one son is in high school and one son is finishing up elementary school, and whatever works for everyone, you know. And I'm, I, I hope, hope, I hope it'll stay connected to um, to wine somehow. I know I'll stay connected to education somehow, um, and you know, maybe maybe more general agriculture. But um, uh, I, I'm confident I will find something that I enjoy uh, working on. That's a project. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's all the questions that I have for okay. you. Is there anything I didn't ask that I should have? Anything we didn't cover here today? That was I don't think
0: about? so. I felt like I talked a lot. That's that was <laughs> you're like easy to talk to, Rich. That's
1: <laughs> just that's the that's the good and the bad thing about <laughs> yeah. it. It's, it's perfect. It was it was wonderful. Thank you so much okay. for your time, for your answers, for your for your like really thoughtful perspective from a from a really cool part of the industry. So. Thank you. It's always good to see you. It's been mm-hmm. fun working with you in the past as well. So, yeah, I'll well, go, go ahead and let you off the hook.
0: Okay, thanks. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all our supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have helped make our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you from the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield University, with a very special thank you to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.